Yayelisowski with the Consumer Choice Center batting cleanup today for us. Or maybe it's the fifth slot uh, looking to drive in some runs. Uh, I know he's a NASCAR guy, so I'm not really sure if he gets my uh, baseball uh, terminology here. And he's out in Vienna, Austria. So if it doesn't have to deal with a, a soccer ball, a football, then I'm not sure where he goes or changing a tire. Yael, do you know what batting fifth means and being an RBI guy that's going to drive in some runs? Are you? Are you? Oh, I, I sure, I sure do. But I'm going to be uh, Ken Griffey Jr. I'm going to make sure I get a couple home runs in there too, buddy. Hey, that, uh, that beautiful, sweet swing of Ken Griffey Jr. Man, that brings me, it brings me back uh, to well, when I was like 12 years old and, and uh, thought I was going to be a major league baseball player. Yet here we are hosting a news talk radio program three hours a day. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing, you know, the feedback you get during an election year and all the people that want to jump on and talk this, that, and the other, and then when you try and reach back out to them, uh, say, after the election, it's like uh, pulling teeth and they forget who you are real quick. Uh, we remember that, and we'll, and we'll take notes on that, but nothing is better than the unhinged, uh, outraged mob that uh, loves to leave voice messages on our company inbox and uh, thinking that we're just shills for the Republican Party. I mean, you know me well enough. Well, yeah, we have our biases and, uh, you know, we lean certain ways uh, on the political scale. Uh, you know, we're not receiving any type of checks or endorsements uh, from, you know, specific political parties. In fact, sometimes we're often harder on Republicans because we lean towards the right in many of our uh, beliefs when we talk about politics. And oftentimes, you know, we're more critical of them. Yet, uh, for some lady, I guess that she thought she was calling the local Republican Party last night, but she got our voicemail. And I want to let you uh, listen in to some of the comments uh, that uh, she made to us, just uh, completely outraged in what she does. Hello, this is Ann Martin. You just called me to ask me if I would be a GOP greeter, and you need to take me off your list. I would never work for the GOP. You guys are a bunch of liars, cheats, and corrupt people. I hope you all end up in jail, just like Trump is going to. F*** you, f*** you, f*** you. <laughs> That's wow. good stuff, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I heard that earlier. And uh, I got to tell you, it's not looking good uh, you know, for our civil discourse and civil society when people are just leaving voicemails like that, uh, let alone at a, a talk radio station where she's free to call uh, throughout the morning and give her comment uh, to you directly, Joe. And I got to say, you know, with that being said, uh, given her, you know, obvious uh, love, uh, infatuation with uh, what we do here day to day. Uh, yesterday, I welcomed on a, be- a, a, a great lady in our area that's doing all different things to organize events for local artists that are and have been struggling throughout the course of the pandemic. We brought them on the show and, uh, well, promoted their art pro- uh, show that they're having this upcoming weekend in one of the neighborhoods that not, not necessarily traditionally, you know, one of the right-leaning types of places. And I went driving through that area yesterday because I'm going to take the wife for a stroll through that neighborhood and, uh, you know, help support uh, local artists because, well, frankly, I know the struggle and uh, I don't care what your political beliefs are. Uh, I know that we're all in this together, and one way we can support one another is by showing up and attending uh, different events and spending a little money, if possible, to support them. And I get into this neighborhood, and obviously I kind of know where I am, and I see all the political signs out there you know, for one specific political party and not the other. So I know, you know I, 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 I'm going to be you know, maybe one of a few, you know, 
people out there that have different political beliefs, but that does not uh, make me you know, not want to go there and help support these people. I'll just keep my thoughts on the presidential race or the gubernatorial race to myself, and I'll just be a normal, everyday person uh, you know, and go out and, and help support people who need it in our community. It doesn't seem like that woman would be willing to do the same if the tide and the table were turned. No, and I think it's it's kind of nasty, and every four years we tend to throw into this battle, even though we're very happy to shop at each other's stores, we're very happy to be in each other's book clubs. Uh, there's probably many circumstances where we'll easily and gladly share a beer with many people we, we might have political uh, differences with. And it's, you know, it's kind of sad that it comes to this uh, every couple of years. I think everyone has goodwill and good spirit. Um, and everyone is very passionate about what they believe. So I think that's that is uh, one thing you can definitely say about uh, your your fan favorite and your caller there. Uh, but look, you know, the just because we have an election doesn't mean that the respect that we should have for each other as Americans goes away. And I think uh, too many people are maybe watching too much television. Maybe they're spending too much time on the internet and just assume that everyone is an enemy if they don't agree with each other. Look, that's not how it works. Uh, people have been slinging mud at each other in politics for many years and years, but it's a forum for which we can debate ideas and figure out the best way forward. And the, when we kind of stoop down to name calling and threats and everything else, that's just not looking good. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, frankly, and uh, you know, I'll give some people a little, well, just a little breathing room in that uh, you know, a lot of folks out there have been going through a lot of different stresses, anxieties, depression. Uh, we're in a time, you know, forget about the polarization in, of politics and how we've injected politics and everything in our lives uh, like no other time before. But uh, also, I think, uh, you know, from a political standpoint, uh, that's been the case. Uh, but I think, uh, given the the lockdown and uh, you know, people. Well, watching their livelihoods turn upside down or their inability to go play cards at the you know their neighborhood's house or, or, or the neighbor's friend's house or the you know go see grandma for four five six months you know that weighs heavy on a lot of people and uh, you know this has been I was having this conversation with my wife last night just kind of rehashing the last 10 months of our life here in 2020 you know, it's not been easy and uh, I think it, we can all look in the mirror and uh, agree on that note at least whether you think we're going in the right direction the wrong direction uh, it's not been an easy year uh, for a lot of people and I think you know with no, that it takes little, it all yeah with that little understanding that we you know you can maybe take a deep breath and prevent yourself from you know calling and leaving a message saying fufufu three times before hanging up <laughs> yeah it, it, and it's all, all of this is made worse by the fact that as you stated, we've been locked into our homes. We haven't been able to congregate. We haven't been able to visit our grandparents. We're not able to see our friends. Many of us is, have worked from home or have lost work, We're not able to keep our businesses opened. And this is taking a toll. And it's something that now is becoming more widespread and well-known. So the, the report that came out, uh, it was at the tail end of last week, was at the World Health Organization, specifically uh, Dr. David Nabarro, who's the special envoy, uh, came out in an interview and he said, look, uh, the one thing that we've noticed is that with all of these lockdowns, the number one consequence is that poor people are being made, quote, an awful lot poorer. So now the entire program of the World Health Organization, which you and I have uh, we've had plenty of things to say on that, Joe, uh, they're coming out and saying that it actually is more harmful to have these lockdowns and that politicians who use lockdowns as their primary means of controlling the virus are wrong. And uh, I think 
getting that news and hearing that, um, you know, many of us have been saying that for months and months, but now the World Health Organization is very clear, and that should be a direct signal to people in Raleigh, to people in D.C., and every other state capital that this is not the way to control what's happening now. We need to really try to look back. We need to reset and understand that you need to target, you need to go into these communities where people are affected, and need to have smarter policies because wrecking businesses, keeping people apart, this is not a way forward. This is actually a way to make things much more difficult in our society and get people back at their throats, which is exactly what we don't need right now. How much has fear played into the hesitation by many millions of people to kind of embrace what you just said? I think it's it's a huge amount because you just imagine there are many places where restaurants are open. Um, and in many of these places, you still don't have the same amount of GDP. You still don't have the same number of people who are going out to the restaurants or trying to go to these larger gatherings because people are afraid. And, of course, every single study that we see or every erroneous news report that comes out telling us this and that about the virus, uh, it's keeping people at home. And that's going to be very depressing for a lot of the people who own businesses. Uh, if you're a, a normal, everyday consumer, you're probably used to getting everything at your door now. Uh, so you might be very reluctant to step out. And, it, you know, that might be well and good for those of us who, uh, you know, have fancy degrees and can work from home and type away. But most people who are laborers, most people who don't have, you know, savings and the means to be able to do that, it's going to be very hard on them. And it's going to be very unfortunate at the very tail end of this to see the, the mental health of everyone, the physical health. And uh, hopefully some people can come up with some smarter ideas. We can maybe uh, start to encourage and trust American citizens to do a little bit better. So you're saying the poor are getting the poor are getting poorer, and uh, those who you know, of course, uh, who are struggling to get employment or have lost employment, it'll be those people uh, that typically are on the lower end of the socioeconomic scale anyway. To those people who are suffering most from this. Yes, and this is exactly how most large-scale uh, policy uh, works. And the people who are often hurt are those who don't have the means to lobby, who don't have the means to go out there and hold up a sign, who don't have the means uh, to take a break from work and try to write to their politicians. And that's why it's up to us, Joe. It's up to all the listeners of The Big Talker. It's up to people who might be voting to really understand that. You know, the policies that are put together and uh, co cobbled together by bureaucrats or politicians, these have real world impacts and it could impact your pocket, but it could also impact your entire livelihood. That's why we have to be skeptical. We have to be critical. Don't just accept anything uh, that any politician or political figure says. It's up to you to be critical, to be independent. And that means that we can have better policies and hopefully we can be way better off as a result rather than worse off. And this is nothing kind of new, Yael, as you mentioned. You know, we had been discussing this for, for months and months and months on end, that you know, this is no way to handle a situation there when you've got faulty information kind of guiding the process the entire way. That's not to take away from the you know, hundreds of thousands of people who have passed in our country, though. There are questions, of course, surrounding just that. When you're not able to get accurate information out to the people and then you're telling us that we need to just completely just you know, turn our lives upside down, it does not give many people confidence in the system as the way it operates. Yeah, and, and the studies that are coming out now are saying that there's 150 million people who will be pushed into poverty from the lockdowns alone. 150 million people around the world. Now, that's a huge number. That's nothing to sniff at. 
And we've seen the largest growth in, in both in economics and in personal wealth and p- basically rising people out of poverty in the last 20 or 30 years. And we're set for a decline if these lockdowns continue. That's why World Health Organization, again, as much as we criticize them, Joe, uh, they're actually recognizing the real impact that these things have had, and they're actually offering alternatives. That does mean that schools can return. It does mean that we can have normal, ordinary uh, sort of guidelines, and we can get back to a semblance of normal, and we don't have to do that by trying to deprive many of our business owners from opening and trying to dissuade people from going about back into the community, meeting with their friends, spending money, and just getting back to how life is supposed to be lived. Yael Lasowski with the Consumer Choice Center, host of the Consumer Choice Radio Show. It airs Saturdays at 10 o'clock here on the Big Talker FM The Consumer Choice Center is the global grassroots movement for consumer choice, and uh, we'll talk about choice here in just a moment as it relates to your health care. But I want to go back uh, quickly just to to the World Health Organization in general. Yael, over the past, uh, what, uh, well, since I've known you here nearly two years now, and for the last uh, four years, you and the Consumer Choice Center have been highlighting glaring, uh, well, issues within that organization. And when we talk about who, uh, who are you, the World Health Organization? This is an organization meant to, to be able to look ahead and say this is how we can get a handle on, say, a health pandemic. And instead, their priorities have been a bit mixed up, but we're more worried about uh, the latest uh, regulations on vaping products rather than viruses that can wreak havoc around the world. Uh, their mixed-up priorities, and of course, their lavish and ridiculous spending on travel and uh, you know other items, uh, more needs than uh, wants. So, well, let's reverse that. Uh, the World Health Organization is no glaring uh, beacon on, on the hill there that we should uh, uh, be, you know, of course, uh, listening to without scrutiny. Yeah, and this is exactly why President Trump. Uh, took the United States out of the World Health Organization starting in July. It's a lengthy process, but it means we won't be paying those fees in 2021. And this has been sort of the the double talk of the World Health Organization. Uh, At the beginning of this pandemic with China, we have to remember uh, the World Health Organization took China at its word. They said there were no human-to-human transmissions, all of that. We don't need to rehash that, but it's for understanding that this is just a normal institution like any other institution in the world. There are people with certain incentives. There are people who don't have all the right information and don't have enough information. And look, they just did not get it right at the beginning of this because they were too busy focusing on things like video games as an epidemic or they were too busy focusing on vaping and why we need to make that illegal. Uh, The World Health Organization is really plagued with a lot of problems. Uh, It's good to see that there are at least two or three individuals who are in the top echelons who have critical thinking and actually saw uh, how bad the lockdowns are for ordinary people. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the entire organization is, is now blessed uh, by, uh, by my colleagues at Consumer Choice Center. Still a lot of, a lot of problems in that organization and that institution. Uh, many of our resources, I think, would be better spent in many of our local communities, no doubt. Yael Lasowski with us from the Consumer Choice Center. Yael, you have a an article, rather, a p- a penned and published in the Boston Herald this week. Uh, you know, a lot of talk uh, about health care uh, you know, at the federal level, here at the state level, wanting to expand uh, Medicaid programs uh, through the governor's uh, platform. Uh, at the top, uh, you know, we hear about the Affordable Care Act. Uh, we uh, hear from uh, Joe Biden and, uh, you know, looking to take uh, – well, health care into a direction where it's totally government controlled. 
you've got the Republicans who, who really have not laid out a detailed plan. They want to repeal, replace Obamacare. They tried to get that done, but Paul Ryan kind of stepped in the way of that in 2018, 2016, while he was Speaker of the House when Republicans held the majority. As it relates to health care, can you give us a little backdrop based on your article as far as you know how we got to a position where we are so reliant on employment to, to have access to care and what we can do to maybe get off of that model in order to, well, continue to provide access to vast amounts of people and to make it more affordable and affected, effective for us all? Well, we're talking about health care insurance, and you know we're never really ever talking about health care itself, like what are the doctors doing, uh, what are the nurses doing, everything else. We're just talking about the insurance market. And if we ask you know, how many people have insurance, it's actually 91% of the American population has insurance. That's public, that's private, that's otherwise. Uh, people who might work for the state government as teachers or people who might work in the federal government at the post office, 91% of the population is totally covered. It's that 9% that we're always discussing and talking about. And unfortunately, too many people want to recreate our entire health insurance system for that 9%. But I think another number that's important is 54% of us get health care from our jobs. Now, for many people who might have good plans, they think it's great, but actually it means that you're deprived of a type of choice, and it means that there's something that we see that we have health insurance through our employer, but what we don't see is that there is actually is a better alternative. If we were to actually individualize our health care plans, if we were to have it separate from where we work, we would have more choice, we would be able to pool with other plans, we would be able to buy plans across state lines. That means lower cost, more individualized plans for exactly what we need at whatever stage in our life, and that means that you wouldn't have all the shenanigans that currently happen with everyone in the world I know everyone's got a bad story when it comes to health insurance and trying to get money back. Uh, but really, this comes from the federal government. They've had incentives in place since 1973 uh, that give employers a kind of small incentive if they set up health insurance for their employees. And, you know, that might be good and look great, but there are economic consequences to that. And when you have an employee health plan, you don't necessarily get to choose the network of providers. You don't necessarily get to choose which procedures will be covered or won't. And that's something that we're kind of losing. And the kind of alternative that I'm recommending is that, you know, let's be a bit more innovative with our thinking. This is the age of direct primary care where you can actually get a subscription to a doctor. We can have concierge medicine. We can have startup apps that are tugged into our phones and then we can get a doctor on call whenever we need it, we're kind of you know, trying to rely on 1970s, 1980s models of healthcare insurance, and we don't need to do that. And again, this is not about uh, trying to make it all a, a one system, one single payer type system. It's actually about empowering every individual consumer to have their own plans according to how they need it or want it. And that means that things would be way cheaper, way better off. I know it's a big idea, Joe, but the entire point is that we need to change our thinking. And the moment that we can change our thinking, the less reliant we're going to be on Washington to have our, our plans or to come up with the next healthcare solution. Because look, uh, this is the answer here. It ain't going to happen. It's going to happen only when you, as an individual, empower yourself and get your own plan that we're going to have a way better system, not because of a couple of senators or congresspeople in D.C.
So you're saying that the federal government got us into this mess in the you know late 60s and 70s and going to this you know employment-based model of providing health insurance. They got us into it, and I guess you know in their eyes, only the federal government can get us out of this. Is that you know the argument they're making? <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of always been that, and and you know it's it's not necessarily that uh, how insurance works. It's more like well, it has to be designed by our type of thinking or our side. And uh, there's plenty of, of criticism of both uh, the Republicans and the Democrats here uh, because, you know, the entire point is you don't need as a political party to create a health care plan. You just need to create the incentives for people to find the plans that they can find in the market. And if we have the good incentives, we can do that. But the incentives right now aren't there. And I think this is really bad. How many uh, of your doctors, how many times are you trying to do things with your insurance? And there's so much administrative cost. There's red tape. There are hurdles. You know, that is actually what is making healthcare in our country more expensive than anywhere else in the world. So we need a huge shift in thinking. I see it as, you know, we, we have a kind of separation of church and state. We need to have separation of job and insurance. That's the only way that we can have better control of our health care. We can have lower costs. And that means that more people will be covered, more people won't be uh, put in debt because of any type of procedure, and it means that overall there's going to be a better market. And I think that's the really the only way forward for most of our country. And I think uh, you know, for some out there, their their argument, I guess, to this would be, as you said, you know, my employment uh, health insurance is good. We're happy where we are, and we're not necessarily certain if that kind of went away that uh, the new system would be any better. And to put our trust in politicians to make those decisions uh, scares me a little bit, and I could see that point of view as well. Yeah, definitely. But here, here's the greatest thing about the, the free market. You can actually look up a plan right now. You don't have to go through the Obamacare exchange. Just go to any health insurance company in the country, type in your name, type in your plan uh, options, type in your age, and you can get a customized plan for you and you can see the cost and you can compare them. Now, you can't do that in uh, my native Canada. You can't do that in many countries in Western Europe, but we can do it in the United States. And you might be surprised what kind of plans might, there might be there and actually the better benefits that you would have. Uh, so I think people would be very surprised there. there. There's still a lot of option out there. There are still a lot of different competitive factors that could provide you better insurance and better care. There are different models. So let's think big, guys. Let's not uh, try to depend on, on the federal government for everything. We can actually think for ourselves and make it better for us and our families. And you laid out just a, a few of those things that we could do to create more access along with uh, affordability and effectiveness as well through, as you said, competition across state lines, health savings plans, association health plans. I know at least uh, you know, there's been some talk of that uh, within the administration, not much movement, of course, when you don't have uh, you know the well one chamber of Congress on board. But those are just three different ways. Uh, the new subscription-based kind of primary care doctors, uh, these are all things that uh, are available right now that you don't hear much about. No, and that's where the solution is going to come. I know a lot of people have these uh, these healthcare ministries. You know, people are doing that if they happen to be Christian. There are others that have these direct primary care plans, like I have, where you have a subscription with a doctor. I mean, look, this is this is American innovation at its finest, and I think most people just might not know that this exists. Uh, they just kind of get the plan from their uh, employer, and they say, that's it, that's all. But there's really so much more out there. And the more that people shift, the more that our institutions will have to catch up. Because at the end of the day, 
Uh, political figures are not our leaders, they're our followers. And the more that we change in our own lives, the more that political figures will have to follow us. I think we should leave it right there. Uh, mic drop, uh, Yael Lasowski with us uh, from the Consumer Choice Center. Uh, great perspective here, and I think a more in-depth conversation surrounding healthcare than we have heard, uh, I would say, across every major news network and political roundtable in the last, uh, well, 20 or so years. Uh, we just did it in 15 minutes, Yael. Uh, check mark for you today. Well, I hope it's a blue check mark, Joe. Thanks so much. <laughs> blue check mark plus plus. Uh, you know, no participation trophies uh, just for coming. Uh, I would check out uh, Yael's article at the Boston Herald this week. Uh, once again, focusing on health care, health insurance, and how we should be as Americans needing to separate health insurance from our jobs. And we laid out a pretty uh, clear picture as to the reason why. Yael, it is always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, we will catch you tomorrow on the Consumer Choice Radio Show. Thanks so much, Joe. ConsumerChoiceCenter.org, their website, uh, the global grassroots movement for consumer choice.